Tasmania Talks with Mike O'Loughlin, weekday mornings from 9. On the phone to start us off, it is Robert Mallett from the uh, Tasmanian Small Business Council. How are you going, Robert? Uh, good morning, Alan. Well, thank you. How are you going? Are, are you talking to people that are doing it hard or are things starting to improve? What's happening? I think things are starting to improve. Um, at the for the beginning of December, I think, and especially at the fifteenth, um, there were people who were unsure because we we entered new territory where um, it was uh, new, uh, people from all around the pl- the country could actually come to Tasmania mm. without undue checks, etc. And I think for a lot of people that that uh, that made them nervous, and so they tended to go out less. They'd done a lot of their Christmas shopping, and that's, uh, I suppose, uh, businesses can thank uh, uh, Cyber Monday and or and, uh, and uh, Black Friday for that because we've seemed to have moved our Christmas shopping to be that last weekend in November and, yep. and kicks off from there. So a lot of people got into that before December. Um, and so, yes, it became very quiet for many people over that Christmas period. I think only uh, made better because we were open and mainlanders were just busting their boilers to come on down to Tasmania because we're the best place in the world. So, it was it was um, described to me as a bit of a short-term sugar hit, I think somebody said, because people came in and all of a sudden the numbers went up and all of a sudden all the locals stayed at home. Um, whether that was planned, I, I must admit I planned it that way. I tried to get everything done before the borders opened. Um uh, indeed, I said to Mum, we went to a market here, and I said to her, "Well, this will be the last time we'll be doing this for a long time." And it was it was very planned and very strategic. Um, and I think a lot and of people think, did it that way. I, I think a lot of people did do it that way. So thank heavens for the tourists that came in. Um, mm. And if you look around the roads, etc., the amount of camper vans, caravans, and uh, cars from other states is just amazing. And so I think uh, it's been fantastic that we've had them here. Similarly. Um, whilst sure, we had more numbers, but um, they, they appear to have been kept into a, a manageable amount, mm. and uh, and the hospital system, you know, it seems to have coped. It's so, notwithstanding your anecdote of your friend from a, a, another state, um, at least it seems that the amount of hospitalisations in Tasmania seems to be relatively small, and that's fantastic because they're coping with it. It it's seems sort of staying under control. It looks like it's staying under control. Um, hopefully, that remains the case. Have you found that some businesses are doing good and some are doing bad? Um, I would ah, look. It, it's it's the it's the way our economy runs every single day of the week. Uh, people sometimes call, talk about two speed economies when our police start to get onto it. it we, I think we've got about a thousand speed economy. It just depends <laughs> what business you're in. Uh, and so, yeah, okay. if you're in that tourism and hospitality game, you try and find a, a bed anywhere on Tasmania's east coast this week, and and. Uh, you'll struggle for anything much under $500 a night. So, well, they, they did it hard they're, they're during back. When, when everyone was in lockdown. They did it pretty hard. But uh, sh- shops around back, town, though. it still seems still seems pretty slow around town. Um, am I right in that? It does seem or? pretty slow. Well, it, it doesn't appear that, but the ABS figures don't give us that. They, the okay. ABS figures don't have us going negative at the moment. Um, albeit the last one was only 07 and now any other normal year, pre-COVID, a 07 increase would have been something to really write home about in the in the newspaper but um since covid or while, during covid and people have been shopping at home and not shopping overseas yeah. um we, you know we were getting one two and three percent increases in retail sales which is just phenomenal yeah. and completely unsustainable but so that we've dropped back a little bit to about 0.7 give or take um a percent increases um it's it's not as good as we've had it in the last little while, would you believe? But uh, in fact, it's it's not too bad at all. We're not going backwards, so we're going yeah. happy with that. So people, it is it is at least being sustainable. Okay, uh, 
we we hear bad news coming up soon with everything that's going on in the world. Um, petrol prices are the big one, of course, um, but they're telling us that lots of other things are going to go up as well. Should we be scared? Uh, again, it's our economies. So it will it'll depend, uh, and, and they're the sorts of things. The petrol prices and other thing commodities going up is what will end up making the RBA. Uh, look at the, the overall the consumer price index and deciding whether there's an increase in interest rates so, uh, to uh, try and limit some bits and pieces to happen. I'm not quite sure. The reason a lot of things are going to go up is a result of petrol yeah. is because if it's an input cost to a, a, a delivery company, which it is, you have to have everything delivered, all people getting to work, etc., and that's an input cost to the business, well, you need to make a margin on all your costs because, say, something... You know, costs you ten dollars. Um, you end up having to say put 100, say one hundred percent for that money. You sell it for twenty dollars. Yeah. Well, if the cost has gone up to eleven dollars, you then have to sell it for twenty two dollars. Yeah. And so um, that's where it's going to affect the entire community. Is that everything will become a little bit more expensive as input costs go up. So that we should be wary of it, and we should be looking to see how we can get those petrol prices down. But it's a global marketplace, and uh, we're not just here on our own. And I did hear uh, who did I hear? Oh, David Littleproud this morning talking, and and somebody was saying we well, shouldn't the government cut their excise, mm. and he was saying, well, you know, it's a lever that could be pulled, but at the same time, they've got billions and billions of dollars of JobKeeper, which kept Australians alive uh, right throughout that tough part of the pandemic. There are also, you know, all these things that are happening at the moment, the flood relief that's going to have to happen right across that eastern seaboard on the mainland. Mm. Some, it's got to be paid for somehow. Agriculture. And be, I was going to say, you know, agriculture's, we're going to be paying a lot more for that, I think, aren't we? Wheat, because of the Ukraine situation, and and, yep. and, and I think fertiliser, a lot of fertiliser seems to come from over that part of the world too. What I think uh, the pandemic and now the war has done, and, and we should have known, a lot of people did know, but nobody did anything about it, is just how reliant we are on the rest of the world. We, we made this assumption that, in general, we were going to be a very peaceful world from now on. There weren't mm. going to be too much of this land grab conflict, and which was going to put pressure on us, but also COVID. What we've done is highlighted to us all that how much we do not produce in Australia. Yeah. And I think, I hope that I, we, with the, the federal election coming up, that they have some seriously good uh, incentives for people for import replacement, where, you know, if it's manufacturing clothes or footwear or a whole range of things, could be machinery, um, where, where's some incentive for smaller businesses to start with to start replacing that so that we don't, are not reliant on overseas uh, people to have to provide it for us. And some of them, you know, some of the most basic things we, we need, um, we just can't bake here, mm. we don't get in Australia. And if somebody else cuts off the pipeline, whether that's fuel to get them here on the ships or whether it's people over there having a war and they can't manufacture it, um, you know, we're, we're a bit between a rock and a hard place. We're, we're left out. It's, we to... <laughs> it's been going a long, a long time, though, hasn't it? I mean, we've been graduate. The car industry was one. Um, at the time, I think people really just thought, why are we giving these people all this money? We should just let them suffer and let them go. But I think it, people didn't realise that the car industry in, say, Germany and other countries, they get subsidised by megabucks. So yeah. it's not really it's not really fair to say, look, this industry in Australia doesn't get any subsidies, whereas this one in in Germany or wherever is is getting subsidised up to the hilt, and and uh, and they have to try and compete. You know, that's impossible. But, but but at the same time, to be held over a barrel by unions when it comes to having to pay these sorts of things, uh, 
um, you know, some enormous costs, etc., for people to do some of the most basic tra- uh, parts of the, the vehicle manufacturing process mm. um, is equally not fair on Australians. Who, who need to purchase these products? So, um, so what do we do? Do we do we have do we have a do we have a situation where the car's cheaper because it's subsidised by the German government and we don't make them, or do we, or do we just say, look, cars are going to be a bit dearer? It's just the way it is, you know. Cars have never been as cheap as they are now. If we're going to say, if we were living in Europe, uh, I'd agree with you there because they've got such a good public infrastructure uh, as far as transport etc is concerned. If it becomes too expensive to own a car there, it's very easy to hop on a bus or a train or a plane to travel multi-countries, etc., to do your business and go and see family and friends. Mm. In Australia, we've got such huge distances. We just... And, and we don't have a good public transport infrastructure, um, and even in Tasmania. And our distances, you know, how about to Launceston? Can you do business in Hobart, catch a bus to Launceston, do business comfortably and then get back on another bus to come back to Hobart in the evening? I'm not sure. Mm. And I suppose one day, you know, if prices keep going through the roof, maybe one day there'll be the things that small business people will be thinking about. Um, how do I not spend um, X amount of dollars in 450 kilometres going to Launceston to Hobart or, or vice versa or anywhere yeah. else? Uh, in your car, where's the public infrastructure that'll get us there more as as conveniently and, and at a better price? Yeah, and yep. that could take some time for us to ever get to. I would have thought with the pandemic, people would be using phones more. You know, you sort of think you don't need to go oh. traipsing off somewhere and spend the whole day travelling. Now nowadays, you just do it on the on uh, Skype or Zoom or whatever. And, you know, and, and in two and a half years, yes, I haven't been to Melbourne, Sydney, uh, Canberra. Uh, for a meeting and not even to the north of the state specifically for a meeting they've all been put online with zoom or microsoft teams etc it still doesn't get the same thing you know there's (laughs) that chat around the the water cooler type of thing where ideas get floated uh, and we break for lunch uh, you know don't forget to be back here by half past one and you go and sit outside and chew your lunch with somebody you've never met before and all of a sudden get some bright idea or uh, make a connection that you were never going to do over a zoom uh, conference so you know there's some definite benefits by meeting in person but um, travel COVID and all those sorts of things have at least made us much more expert in being able to do those things online and little pictures on your computer screen yeah, do it. It's more efficient, surely. It's more efficient. So, so back to petrol prices. Have, what what are the petrol prices doing today? Have you had a chance to look and see? I didn't see any petrol stations when I came I, in. I didn't need to go past. I one. haven't. They seem to be hovering around that two dollars, uh, two dollars and two cents. Uh, I was I was in Melbourne just recently, <laughs> returning from a holiday. But uh, and I noticed their petrol prices were were pretty similar. Yeah, uh, okay. up around that two dollar a mark. So we're not being particularly unduly. Um, uh, Penalised by the fact that we're in Tasmania, I think that it's happening right across the uh, right across the uh, Australia. So again, that doesn't make it feel any better. At least it knows we're not being ripped off. We're not being ripped off. I did. I did see a picture of a petrol station in Adelaide that had, uh, I think, unleaded for two hundred two dollars twenty one or something. And you just think someone somewhere is ripping someone off. I suspect. Well, um, yes, but then depending on where. Well, if it's Adelaide, Adelaide. Well, yes, you're probably right. Um, but. Uh, it, it, yes. That's that's the advantage of having competition. Yeah. Um, people, you know, people do what they need to do with that. And, and whilst it is a staple product, uh, although and, and once upon a time it used to be uh, we get a half percent increase in it, and the, it was frontline uh, news in the head in the paper. Um, <clears throat> we don't seem to it doesn't seem to make quite so much difference. Could be anything but ten or twenty cents a litre difference, and it's oh well, 
that's their business. I'm not going to go there. But yeah. on the other hand, if it's cheaper, and I'm going to look after him because he's looking after me. We, we get we, we get lots of mixed messages about how much they make, don't we? I, you, you hear petrol station owners saying, oh, "We only make you know seven, you know, tiny little bit amount. We can't afford to pay ourselves." But then you talk to somebody else who runs a petrol station, and they say, "Look, we aim for twenty cents in the litre." You know, I mean, who's yeah. right? Uh, well, again, um, like like everything we buy, I'm sure uh, uh, Coles and Woolies don't pay the same price for their Coke as the your average uh, corner store does because yep. they buy significantly more. Well, unless and you've got a really bad deal, you can actually buy your petrol from other places. You don't have to buy it all from one supplier, can't you? Is that right? If you're an independent, uh, especially. Probably. I'm not, I, again, I'm not an expert in that, and the Tasmanian Automobile Chamber of Commerce would be the ideal people for that. That's their business. But, look, yes, we're going to be have fewer suppliers in Tasmania than they are going to earn on the mainland, but it could well be that some suppliers will give you a discount for bulk or how yeah, yeah. many service stations they're servicing, all that sort of thing. The bigger so, ones have got uh, an advantage. Business. So you're not well, sure what, what... What's the markup? Do you know what the markup is? Has anyone no. volunteered it, it to it, you? Invariably, invariably I, th- you know, I don't know that it's much more than somewhere between 6 and 12 cents a litre really for most stations. That's the retail margin. Yeah. And so they they hope that they're going to get volume through, so you make lots of 6 and 12s, yeah. and that's why you now find so many of them uh, are offering, uh, so uh, do you want to buy a water and a Coke and a this and a that mm. at the same time? That's where their margin is. They, they make, make more money there. by selling a bottle of water than they do with uh, a full tank of fuel. Yeah, yeah. So We just have to cop it, I suppose, and just uh, look around. Um, I know there's a lot of apps around that tell you the cheapest price. Maybe now's the time to start looking at those more so um, and really keep, uh, the, keep the pressure on. Absolutely. And look, uh, there are, we do have a lot of independent uh, petrol stations, especially in our country areas. You'll find that, you know, Sandfly and Grove and Port Arthur, if you look at some of their prices, they're as cheap as chips. Now, we're not mm. all going to necessarily travel to Port Arthur to get our petrol, but, uh, you know, it may well be you think, well, I've got to be down in that way sometime in the near future. I can wait and I'll fill up then. Yeah. And so you end up looking after those smaller businesses. And I hope you, hopefully, you buy your, your pie for lunch or, or something or your drink for the car at the same time. And they're the, they're the extras that they actually can make some money out of uh, and keeps them in business and keeps them supplying people in remote areas. Yeah. Because that's some, that, that'll be the next thing. The sooner we, when we lose those sorts of convenient petrol stations, um, we'll all have to be travelling much further to end up going to get our petrol, which then costs us exponentially more as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll just wait and see what happens. It's not going to come down in the near time, I, I, I reckon. Um, and I guess with, the, with, with countries around the world now saying they're not going to buy oil and gas off Russia, Russia, they're starting to just say, look, we can't do it now. It's not becoming, it's no longer politically viable to do this. Um, I suppose it's going to go up even more, isn't it? Well, yes, but then, of course, we, we're on the cusp. We're well behind with the electrical car industry in Australia. Um, Europe, they have significantly more electric cars on the on the, uh, on the on the road. So mm. you know, in Tasmania, we're ideally placed. We're now marginally more than 100% uh, renewable energy right throughout Tasmania, and that's going to be either wind or, or uh, <clears throat> hydro. Yep. So the sooner we can get to electric cars and start using our homegrown fuel which is the wind is going to keep blowing and the water's still going to keep flowing down the mountains in one way or the other. Um, well then in that case, we may be able to divest ourselves of that uh, reliance on fossil fuels through um, other places where we don't produce it. So, yeah. um, again, again, it's that's where some of that incentive 
payment stuff could be made by the federal government to say, well, how much sooner can we get electrical cars? How much sooner can we get an, an infrastructure that people trust? So the last thing you want to do is, and at the moment it's a bit of a nuisance, a smaller electric cars, you, you have no choice really to stop off in uh, Campbelltown mm. to top your your electric your battery up because you might just get from Hobart to Launceston um, but on a full whatever, but it, it may not, may something may happen in the middle that, that delays you that uh, requires you to have more battery than you've got so you know that, that's a bit inconvenient for many people at the moment to try and have an electric car in Tasmania because of the lack of infrastructure so yep. the sooner we can get more infrastructure the sooner we'll get people with more electric cars we'll have less pollution less reliance on petrol and we'll be able to use our homegrown product uh, and buying it from home and what doesn't get better than that there's there's more and more of those plugs popping up there's one in between there's one on the way to queenstown now on the lyle highway and there's i think some in uh, sheffield i think i saw some um yep in queenstown a, a i've got some been put into a lot of work's been put into ensuring the infrastructure is now able to you can bring your car from the mainland and travel around tasmania and be fairly safe that you can continue to top up but again if you're using it for business purposes um you need to get to uh Hobart for a business meeting and you need to get home that same night, yeah. uh, then in that case you need to have reliable um, power supplies, both uh, midway if, if you've only got a smaller battery or at the end of, in route so you can park it and fill it up and uh, manage to know you'll get home that night. Yeah. At least with a petrol car I and mean, pretty much everything, you can do that in a full tank and get there and back again. I, um, I, I so heard a rumour, or at least somebody somebody in a service station spoke out of, out of turn, and they told me that by, I think it's 2025, they're going to be starting to wind, da- wind up petrol stations. 2025, I think, is the day that this particular company um, is going to start shutting them down. Um maybe converting them to electric only or something. I don't know what the plan is or whether they're just going to sell them up and get rid of them. But, We're uh, going to have electric, petrol cars for a long time to come, I think. Okay. But uh, you know, if you'd listen to look at Europe, etc., and especially the UK, I think they're going to be effectively banning uh, diesel cars from London from 2030 or 2040 or something like that, I think it is. Yep. But you, know, you won't even be able to take your car into that city. Um, so... It's forcing people over there, and, and they're the ones who are purchasing the electric vehicles. I have I hear that we have difficulty in Australia purchasing electrical vehicles because there's just not enough left for over here. They've they've there's being sold in Europe and and other places at, at a huge rate because uh, they're being disincentivized to have fossil fuel car, uh, yeah, vehicles. Yeah, yeah, you're banned so, to take them into places. I think London's got a part yeah. of part of London you can't take a. a a petrol car into now too we better move yeah. on robert it's been a it's yep. been an interesting discussion i'm not sure i agree with you with the masks you've put out a press release saying that the mask relaxation is a good thing that scares me i fear that people working in a busy shop if they didn't have a mask on and the customers weren't masked i'd reckon they'd be they'd be covid positive by the end of day so, one i suspect so so, so the, <laughs> the thing is the retail the retail um, uh, assistant you know, deals in the main with the customer for about what, 30 seconds that's uh, long minute, enough, surely, yeah. isn't it? Um, well, then, and then they'll go outside and they'll probably take their mask off to walk up the street. They can take their, go to a cafe mm. and take their mask off to sit and have their cup of coffee where they might be in much closer contact with other people that they don't know of, that they don't know, um, for some time, but without mask on, just because they're eating and drinking. So, you know, it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. And well, apart from, you know, as I said right at the beginning, our hospital system seems to be able to cope so far with it. Um, it, it you know, once upon a time, the Prime Minister had COVID. Well, 
it'd be all over the place. But no, he's at home. Mm. He's uh, not relaxing, I'm sure, but he's getting over it, and he's off down to back to work today. And any other time, there would have been heaps of physicians and stuff all around fussing over them. But it's now just another thing. Um, in the in the year before we had COVID, 500 people died in Australia through the flu. Now we all go and get vaccinated. We have our flu shots and all that sort but of. But that's stuff. over a whole it's year. We're talking, well, we're talking well over... What are we up to now? We're up to a couple of thousand just for this year, I think, aren't we? It's it's quite well, a big number. It's much more than the flu. Um, but, people but are, people we never are still, even hear of the flu. People are dying and, of this quite a lot, even now, and it's on the way up again in many countries with the new strain, I think, in uh, London, uh, New York, and uh, I think oh. Switzerland at the moment. Their, their hospitalisation and death rates are on the rise again. No, um, again, not really sure, but again, our, the mm. level of vaccination that we have in Australia and Tasmania, um, we're mm. as well protected as we can without having to wear masks, which, and uh, I see many of people, I hear, talk to many people who have got now dermatitis problems around their noses on their chins oh. as a result of wearing the masks yeah. all day. I must admit I couldn't um, wear it for a whole day, but I would rather wear it than get COVID. So, yeah, it's an interesting and, and, one. And that's the choice we have. We're vaccinated. Um, you make a choice. Uh, and sure, it's our public hospital system in the end that has to deal with the, uh, the mm. fallout, but at least the level of vaccinations throughout the state make us a much, much safer place to be. If, if, if I'm correct and people in shops take mm. their masks off and become positive before the end of a, the first week of this and they're all off sick and isolating, what happens then? Do businesses just close or do the, man, the owners have to go in and run them? I mean, what would, what would be the, the plan B? Well, we've had that situation and we relaxed it and didn't seem to be any uh, thing. So what, what <clears throat> the, uh, the, one of the original directions was that uh, if you had a close personal contact at home who had COVID, yeah. um, you were in, in, in our range of industries, you were not to go to work. And yet there were, so we ended up with the, the retail sector, with the automotive sector, with lots of them who had perfectly healthy people at home um, who weren't able to go to work. And yes, that put us a lot of pressure about uh, six weeks ago on businesses that couldn't operate because they'd have five, six or seven people not there because they might have had a close contact at home and they you, didn't have enough to run the business. You're not scared but, that that would happen again um, if everyone was oh, sick well, at the same we, time? We, if people well, we managed to change that. We've managed to change that. So a lot of businesses, um, they are allowed to, so even if they have a close contact at home and they're meant to be isolating at home, be close contact anyway, mm. um, they can go to work, but they do uh, a rat uh, every day or every second day. And uh, if they end up with a positive, they, get, they stay at home and whatever. But if mm. they continue to rat uh, negative, then in case continue to go to work and be productive. It was but, costing our economy huge amounts of money. But, um, and I haven't seen... Um, great increases as a result of people who are going to work in especially in those essential industries um, as a result of the change in the rule. But if, but if we take, take our masks off now and it takes less than a week before everyone becomes positive, if, if that happens, we're in for a hell of a time in a week, aren't we? Well, I haven't got the graph in front of me. We have already taken our masks off effectively at midnight on Friday night last week. Uh, I'm not sure what um, exact numbers have gone up, but there's been enough time now for those, mm. some of those... They've gone up a bit. It's gone up above above 1,000, I think, yeah. um, for the first time yeah. for uh, forever, I think, in Tassie. And so, so. we'll see what happens on uh, on mm. the, exactly this time next week. Yeah, when, I guess. Uh, um, people in cafes, etc., are allowed to not do it. And uh, But again, mm. you, you walk in, you grab a glass of water, you can sit down, you can like, legitimately take your mask off. Well, people uh, catch it, it that way too. Order. 
I know someone, I know three people that got it at a pub. They sat away from people and they had a meal on New Year's Eve and they got it, the whole three of them, and they got it that day from, from eating. So anyway, it's, it's a, it's, there's an argument there and I guess we'll see what happens, I suppose. It's, it's a bit we'll of a... leave it up to the legislators. The, sa- the sad part, the, well, the legislators aren't letting out the, the, the health information either. I think Rosalie Woodruff yesterday in Parliament wanted to see the, uh, because she's an epidemiologist and she knows this stuff. Yep. Um, much more qualified than I am, I've got to say. She, <laughs> she, she asked for the for the medical advice, and they wouldn't give it to her. So, which just yeah. makes people more suspicious, I suppose, don't they? It definitely has to. We definitely, if they're going to make rules that affect our lives to the extent to which it is, there has to be a, a high level of transparency. And I think once you get that level of transparency, you also get a high level of willingness to comply. Yeah. But if it's secretive, we're all saying, "Well, why do we have to do that?" People get Show suspicious. We agree yeah. on that. Let's leave it at that for the Good moment. Idea. We've talked about everything here today, I'll tell you what. We've, we've, fixed, <laughs> okay. we've fixed all the world problems. Robert Mallet, <laughs> CEO of the Tasmanian Small Business Council, thank you for your time. A pleasure, Alan. Tasmania Talks with Mike O'Loughlin, weekday mornings from 9. 